Today, Dr. Lee continues his 10-part teaching series on mastering our emotions with the message that asks a question about the self-destructing evil of hatred. It is titled, Hatred, Is It Eating You Alive? The opening text is found in 1 John chapter 2. Take your Bibles and turn them this morning with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, in our series on mastering your emotions, today's message is hatred. Is it eating you alive? Verse 9 says this. Listen closely. He that saith he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even till now. No matter what you say, no matter what you profess, he that says, I'm a Christian, I'm living near God, walking with God daily, I'm doing the best I can, but I know that I'm on my way to heaven. He that saith he is in the light but hates his brother is in darkness, even this moment that we speak. Many years ago, I, I watched a, a program on television I really enjoyed. It was a comedy, a weekly comedy hour. And they had various characters. And you know how you identify with those characters, get to know their names, get to know their habits, get to know what they're saying, and out of that comes the lines of comedy. On this particular one, there was a very heavy man who was a big man, he always wore a suit and he would go down the street and meet people on the street. Well, this day he was walking down the street, but he was unusually large this day because he had a big bulge out from under his coat. There was something under his coat and he was sticking out. Well, a friend stopped him and asked him, said, Jim, what's that under your coat? He said, well, he said, you know that fellow that comes by and pokes at me? He said, I'm gonna fix him. Because you see, I've got several sticks of dynamite under my coat today, and the next time that fellow sees me on the street and punches me in the chest when he talks to me, I'm going to blow his hand off. <laughs> I thought about that. Yeah, you'd blow his hand off, but what you don't understand is you'll blow your heart out as well. See, that's what hatred does. Hatred. You know, I'm going to get even. I'm going to straighten them out. I... What they did to me 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, or even yesterday, they're going to see it coming, and I'm going to get even. And you may get even. In fact, you may blow their proverbial hand off. But what you don't realize is that you're blowing your life apart as well. You know, we live in a world, we live in a nation. Let's just make it down to our nation that is filled with hatred. How so? Pastor, I don't hate anybody. Have you ever thought about what we expose ourselves to every day? Let me give you an example. Have you ever thought about the fact of the many talk shows we listen to, whether they be conservative or liberal? It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter, but I mean, it doesn't matter for this illustration. Have you ever thought about all the garbage that goes on? Have you ever thought about how they snip at one another and how they fight over issues and how they, they over-talk, which is not polite, by the way? You know, it's not polite to over-talk somebody. Yes, pastor, I know that. Well, some of you, a little bit of age on you, you know that. You just don't over-talk. That means to talk while somebody else is talking. Oh, so many times I want to say, why don't you shut up and allow him to get through and then you can speak? But you've got to realize that in television and in radio, that is not what they're up to. They're up to getting you to watch. But have you ever seen as they argue back and forth on the talk shows, have you ever seen them come to a resolve where they say, you know, I'm thankful you brought up that point. After all, you are right after all. I've never seen that, have you? 
Oh no, it's bickering and it's fussing and it's hating back one to another. We think about the newspapers and the magazines. You pick up the local newspaper, you see the front. What is it? It's a racist publication. That's all it is, a racist publication. They've just done that for years, for, for, for decades, because I've been here all my life, and decades I've seen them stirring up racial hatred one for another. Just hated hatred between the races. That's what they're about. That's what they do. They're interested in the bottom line, the selling of magazines, the selling of newspapers, the selling of TV and radio talk shows. It's all negative. All negative. You listen to the news at night. It's all negative. A murder here, something here. They never, they never propagate something good. They never say, you know, this particular church or this particular organization has fed so many people. It has nurtured so many people. Oh, we are thankful as a city for the work that they do among us. You never hear those things. Why? Because we live in a nation, we live in a world that is gripped and spews out anger, frustration, and hatred day by day. What it does, it tears down society. It destroys. Somebody said this one time, hatred is like acid. It destroys everything it touches and the bottle in which it's contained. That's right. It destroys everybody around you. It can destroy families and marriages. It can destroy relationships between moms and, and children, dads and children, and mom and dad together, and grandparents. It destroys. That's all it does. It's a great wave of destruction. And in our text today, God leads us to understand its manipulation in our lives and how it can make its way into our lives, and we don't even know it. Let's see if we can pull back the cover and ask ourselves, do I have hatred for anything or anybody that I need to get rid of today that I might be a true Christian? First of all, hatred leaves a person, it leads a person to self-deception. We deceive ourselves. What do you mean by that? Somebody said hatred is a, one of the forms, the greatest form perhaps, of human insanity. I've seen people who hated other people so much their lives were insane. It colors everything. It takes the paradigm of life and just makes it ugly. In other words, they call that which is true, false. That which is ugly, beautiful. And that which is beautiful, ugly. That which is right, wrong. That which is wrong, right. It leads to self-deception. It takes little things and makes them big and takes big things and make them, makes them little. And what it does is hatred and revenge are twin sisters. When you hate someone, you naturally want revenge. I'll show you, we say. I'll get even. Just you wait and see. Your day's coming and I'll see to it. That's a heart full of hatred and that's a heart full of revenge. It's like the ad that was in the paper not long ago, classified ad. Here's what it said. Wedding dress for sale, never worn. We'll trade for 38 caliber pistol. I once heard the story of uh, some soldiers in the Korean War. They were there in Korea, and there's not much going on where they were, so they said, we need somebody to clean up after us in our little place where we live and do our cooking. So they hired a Korean houseboy, young boy. And the little Korean boy, was he'd do their cooking, clean up after him. He was a good kid. But, you know, they had a lot of time on their hands, so they became sort of jokesters, playing tricks on the boy. Well, one thing they would do is they would take the stove and they would put Vaseline on the knobs. And when he had tried to turn it on, he couldn't turn it on. They'd put a bucket of water over the door like many of you did in college. And 
When people walked in, the bucket of water would fall on their heads. The little boy would have it fall on his head. One night, the little boy left his shoes beside the bed when he was asleep, and they nailed his shoes to the floor. Oh, they were mean to this little fellow. But they noticed the little boy never cursed. He never said anything negative. He'd just pull out the nails, dry himself off, wipe off the Vaseline, and go on his way. So he got, they got sort of convicted about it. One day they said, you know, we've got to apologize to that little fellow. So they called the little fellow in. They said, you know, we're sorry for what we did. The little fellow said, no more Vaseline? No, no more Vaseline. No more water on head? No, no more water on head. No more nails and shoes? No, no more nails and shoes. Good, he said. Me no longer spit in soup. <laughs> what we don't realize is we may be meeting out our revenge on someone else, but what we're doing is we're spitting in our own soup. We're ruining our own lives. We don't see it. Why? Deceived. Also, he tells us it leads to self-denial. The rejection of the facts, no matter denial of truth. You see, it's very easy when you hate something or someone or some situation not to be willing to listen to the truth. That's why people who hate righteousness, who hate God, who hate the Lord Jesus, turn their backs on Him. Some of them, they, they just can't help it. They, they just don't understand why, but they just hate truth. That sometimes happens in personal lives. Have you ever had anybody get on to you or get a, a, a grudge against you? And you went to them and said, now listen, I didn't mean anything by that. And you may have said something along the way. Now, pastors go through this all the time. Said something along the way, and they took it personal. I mean, they would have thought it was just for them. Think about a pastor. How many times I preach? I will say millions of words to you. Millions of words. Do you think you're not going to misconstrue one of them when you wake up from your sleep and hear me? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to happen. So at any time, somebody's going to be angry. Think about being on national television, every state in the nation, and having people listen to you there. You think they hear what you say? Tuning you in? He said that. Boy, I don't like that, huh? You know. And then you sit down and you say, now, I didn't mean, let me share with you. I didn't mean that. Oh, yes, you did. No, no, I didn't mean that. And they won't accept the truth. Why? Because they have a hatred, they have revenge in their hearts. I remember reading in American history about a man by the name of Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr was a very popular man in the late 1700s, early 1800s, when our nation was being founded. In fact, he ran for president. And he ran against Thomas Jefferson. And they were both very popular at that time. And so what happened was they, they practically tied in the vote. So it went to the, to the House of Representatives for them to decide who would be the next president. And in the House, they were liked equally by both sides. So they were debating. And in the middle of the debate, there stood up a man by the name of Alexander Hamilton. And Mr. Hamilton was a very articulate spokesman. And he stood up and he gave a speech against Aaron Burr and for Thomas Jefferson. And when the House voted, they voted that Thomas Jefferson would be the president of this nation. That's how Aaron Burr lost. That's how Thomas Jefferson became our president. And Aaron Burr 
hated Hamilton for that. Then in 1802, he was running to be the governor of New York. And in that, that running for governor, Hamilton once again made a speech that caused him to lose the governorship. But later on, this man, Aaron Burr, was elected to be the vice president of the United States. So he did achieve the vice presidency of the United States, but he always hated Alexander Hamilton. And he hated him so much as days and weeks and months and years went by that he said, I'm going to take his life. So he challenged him to a duel. And there on the shores of Weehawken, New Jersey, they met for a duel. And they had their pistols. And they went out and they pulled their pistols. And legend tells us, this is history, but there is a point we do not know happened, but speculation says that Hamilton would not kill Burr, that he shot off into the distance instead. But Aaron Burr took his pistol and pointed it at Hamilton, and it shot him dead. And then the man who was the vice president of the United States fled, and he was being pursued by the authorities as a murderer. And his life was ruined. And I think about Aaron Burr, a spokesman, the vice president of the United States, because of the festering hatred in his heart towards a man who had been his, 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 his nemesis, a man who had caused him to lose several elections, but he had fought his way back to be the vice president, and yet all he had was lost. His life was ruined, and now he's looked upon in history not as a great spokesman for America, not as a great patriot, but even in the schoolrooms, he's looked at as one who took the life of a noble man. What caused that? The fact that he lived in self-denial. The fact that he lived in self-destruction. The fact that he lived in self-deception because he had hatred in his heart. Hatred will ruin a life. Hatred will ruin a family. Hatred could ruin a church. And then also, we find out that hatred leads to self-destruction. It always destroys it always destroys. I was reading this past week about an amazing statistic. Now, you've got to think with me about this. You say, what's it got to do with the message? Well, you, if, you, if you understand, you, you'll understand it. That 14 men, on an average, are killed every year wrestling with vending machines. You ever go into a vending machine and put your money in and the last quarter you had and pulled it and that thing just stuck, what you gonna do? That's your last quarter. You're starving. You're not gonna make it. And there that peanut butter cup won't come out. <laughs> 14 men a year die from vending machines falling on them. <laughs> So think about that the next time you do that. <laughs> Destroyed because of anger. Look at verse 11. It says, But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whether he goes, because that darkness has blinded his eyes, blinded his eyes. What does it say? It says three things. Number one, if you have hatred in your heart, you live, L-I-V-E, you live in darkness. Darkness, a life of darkness. That's a sorry way to live. Ever thought about 
Animals that live in darkness, bats live in darkness. Now, that's an ugly animal. Think about that. Hideous looking, a bat. Why? Because it lives in darkness. Let's think about uh, not just bats and things. Let's think about those, those fish in the bottom of the sea in the darkness. They're swimming around. What are they? When you get pictures of them, most of them are grotesque. Most of them are ugly in the bottom of the sea. That which is ugly, that which is distorted, that which is, is strange, and that which is deformed. Men and women get like that. But you turn around, you look at the robin flying through the air. Look at the eagle soaring through the clouds. Look at the beautiful rose or the lily of the fields. What do they depend upon? They depend upon light. They are the agents who live in light. They're the ones who live in light. That's the way life is. When you live in the darkness of hatred, it becomes something that, that, that deforms you. You have a view of life that is always temperamental. You got a chip on your shoulder. You see a good thing and you don't recognize it. You're grouchy. You're irritable. Even though you get in your life, you work hard, and you reach certain plateaus of life that you strive for in business or in marriage or in the home life, in the family life, you're still not happy. You still have no joy. And you come and hear sermons on joy, you say, what's that mean? Guys, got a preacher's got to come to reality. Well, let me ask you this. Maybe it's good for you if you just take time and think in your mind as I preach, maybe it's coming from hatred that is hidden down. It may be under blankets of 40 years, 20 years, 30 years. It may be something that happened to me in a previous marriage, in a previous home. My mom or dad did to me, or my, my, my children did to me, or my brother or sister, or people in the neighborhood. And I have had a hatred in my heart all those years. Let me tell you, it flows up from your innermost beings, and it's like a dye. It dyes everything that you see and colors it into darkness. That's why I said this. Listen closely. But he that hates his brother is in darkness. All around them, you're in darkness. I remember many, many years ago, I went hunting. And I was in South Georgia, off the coast of South Georgia, and I got lost in the marshes. I got lost there at nighttime. I didn't have a candle, didn't have a flashlight, didn't have anything. And I was pushing myself through the marshes, trying to find my way out. Frightening. If you've ever been down to portions of South Georgia on the coast, and it's a moonless night, it is dark. It's the way it was. And I often thought about that. I finally found my way out, but often thought about how hard it is to walk in darkness, to pull your feet out of the marsh and the mud of anger and frustration and fear and torment and all the things that accompany hatred. He says, you walk in darkness. Also, you walk alone. 1 John 4, 20, If any man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Love of God's not in him. God's not with you. You're walking alone. Why? Because of hatred in your heart. God says, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. I can't. I can't. What are you talking about, Pastor? Listen to me closely. You see, the Bible says God is love. It doesn't say God has love. God is love. The fruit of the Spirit that we find in Ephesians is God. That's the nature of God. Galatians tells us about the character of God as well. It says God, and it, it shows us that His nature is love. And if I'm walking in hatred and all the things that accompany hatred, revenge and all the rest, I'm not walking with God. 
So when I pray for my children, when I pray for my husband, when I pray for my wife, when I pray for others in life, it is useless. It's like throwing up something that never, never goes through the ceiling, just comes down. God's not with me because I've got to get this hatred out of my very being. Many years ago, I read about D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody pastor in Chicago, great church there, reached out to all types of people. And Moody had a sign a great neon sign on his church that flashed. Now that was back in the early 1900s. Flashed. He couldn't have that in Forsyth County today. Shows you where we are in a county. What age we're living in. Had a flashing sign. And that sign had three words. God is love. God is love. Day and night. Buddhist church flashed the message, God is love. God is love. One Wednesday night, Moody was preaching and a, an indigent came in, a man who was known to have a temper, a man who was known to be a man who was always fighting in the community, came in and sat. And as Moody preached, the man's eyes filled with tears. He got up and made his way forward. Moody saw him and took his hand and led him to Christ. And then sort of as a public display of the man's salvation, Moody asked him publicly, Sir, why did you come to Moody Church? Was it because of our great singing? Oh, no, Mr. Moody. Well, was it because of the preaching? You wanted to hear some Bible preach? No, no, Mr. Moody. It was because that sign outside says God is love. He says day after day after day as I've walked past it going to work, I've seen that sign flashing. God is love. God is love. Mr. Moody, all my life, from my daddy and my mama and my brothers and my sisters and my co-workers, all of my life, all I've known is anger and hatred, anger and hatred, competition, anger and hatred. But Moody, I could never get away with it. I could never get it out of my mind. I could never flee from it. God is love. God is love. God is love. Let me ask you today, are you walking in love? Are you walking in light? For if you're walking, hating anything or anyone, that is not a Christian. We should cleanse our heart from it. Peel back the layers, even as this pastor does in his heart today. See, is there a seed there that I did not know? Is there a spot there that I need to get rid of? Because I don't want to walk in darkness. I want to walk in light. I want to bring that and bring it today to the foot of the cross. Give it to Jesus. You say, I can never get away from that. I could never get that out of my system. No, maybe you couldn't, but God can. He can cleanse you. He can set you free. And He can give you love that you will not walk in darkness, but that you will walk in the eternal light of joy with Jesus Christ. Can the church say amen? As we come to the conclusion of today's program, I want to invite you, if you've not yet done so, to invite God into your life by praying to receive His Son, Jesus Christ, into your heart today. The way we receive God's complete forgiveness is clear according to the Scriptures. First of all, we repent of our sins. Then we tell God our faith, our belief in Jesus Christ as His Son. Thirdly, we commit our lives to Christ as the Savior of our soul and fourthly, we follow His direction for our personal life as found in the Bible. 
So if you want to know Jesus in the fullness of his love and forgiveness, pray a prayer like this with me. Just say, Dear God, I know that I have sin in my life, so I come before you in repentance, admitting my sin and seeking your forgiveness. I place my faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and commit my life to him as my Lord and Savior. And I pray this by faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. You have been listening to a broadcast of the teaching ministry of There's Hope America and Dr. Richard Lee. If you'd like to know more about the ministry of There's Hope America and its many books, writings and materials that point America back to God, visit us online at thereshope.org. Once again, it's thereshope.org. Or you can call us at 1-800-628-HOPE. That's 1-800-628-HOPE. May God bless you until next time.